0: Are you ready? You ready to go home? We don't know when that's going to happen. As a matter of fact, uh, today in the Luke chapter 12, we're going to be talking about that. Ready for his return. In 1980, in the state of Washington, geologists were intensely watching their seismographs at every indicator, revealing that Mount St. Helens in nearby Volcanic Mountain was in danger of eruption. Some five, five miles north of Mount St. Helens, on the edge of Spirit Lake, lived a very crust, crusty old character named Harry R. Truman, who had operated the Mount St. Helens Lodge for 52 years. Now, this is not the, the president, of course. Uh, this is a different Harry Truman. Rangers warned Harry to leave the area, telling him that the volcano was about ready to erupt. He refused. His neighbors begged him to go with them. His sister even called and made her plea, but he ignored the warning, saying, you couldn't pull me out of this mountain with a mule team, saying, the mountain is a part of Truman, and Truman is a part of that mountain. On May 18th, 1980, Harry Truman got up, prepared his breakfast, fed his 16 cats as he did every morning, but at 8.31 a.m. the mountain exploded with a force 500 times greater than the nuclear bomb that leveled Hiroshima. Everything was flattened within 150 square miles and a wall of mud and ash 50 feet high buried Harry's cabin, his cats, and his body. He was 84 years old. That's a tragic story of a man who refused to listen to the warning of what was going to come. I wonder, your name might not be Harry, but you may have a different name and live in a different place in a different way, but maybe you're ignoring the warnings for your soul. Something is going to happen that you need to be prepared for. The Lord Jesus Christ is going to return to rapture and catch away the saints. And it could happen at any moment. It's an absolute fact. The Bible clearly teaches that our Lord is going to return. Some 38, 380 times in the New Testament, we're told that Jesus is coming again. Are you ready for his return? Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, I'm going to read verses 35 to 40. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning, and you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them And if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Father, I pray today that Lord through this passage of scripture, and we talk about the coming of Jesus. That, Lord, if there's one here that is not ready, that God today would be the day they come to know Jesus as their Savior. I pray that, God, we would listen in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in these verses, Jesus is using two illustrations to teach the truth That one day he's coming back again. Now I realize this doesn't specifically teach the idea of the rapture. But it's the general passage of scripture that Jesus is coming back. And he uses the illustration in verse 36 of a Jewish wedding. And in verse 39 of a thief. Now, Jewish weddings were held at night, and bridegroom servants would have to wait for their master to come home from the wedding banquet with his bride. And the point was that the the servants at the house had to be ready at any time, because they didn't know how long this wedding banquet would be going on. So they had to remain constant vigilance, so that when the master would come into this house, that they would be ready to serve him in whatever he might need and whatever preparations that need to be made. The new husband would certainly not want to be kept waiting at the door with his bride carrying her in his arms. The second watch was from 9 to midnight and the third watch was from midnight to 3 a.m. It could happen at any time. But the servants had to be sure they were ready to go to work with their robes tucked under their girdles so they were free to move. And the other illustration of a thief now, if, they, if you would know what time the thief would come, you would be ready. No, you need to be ready time for the son of man will come unexpectedly i don 't know if you have flown recently on any of the airlines, but the baggage rules are constantly changing. We flew out of um, uh, fort Myers to, to Phoenix or uh, to our, on our vacation a few weeks ago, and uh, American had 50 pound uh, bags, so I was thankful for that, and we got uh, under that. But we came back on Frontier, and Frontier, you can only have 40 pound bags on Frontier, so we had to do some adjusting. You know, uh, on Southwest Airlines, your bags fly free. Not so much for the people, you know. They're pretty expensive anyway. So you had to have suitcases ready. And this morning, I'd like for us, as we get ready for the trip of going to be with our Lord, we pack four suitcases. In this passage of Scripture, I'd like to suggest to you that we need to get ready four suitcases. The first one is in verse 35 and 36. The suitcase of personal readiness. Notice it says the readiness of salvation. It says in verse 36, And you yourselves be like men who wait for their master. Wait for their master. And that's exactly what we're doing. We're waiting for our master. We're waiting for our Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to be sure that we know him. When the rapture occurs, many will be left behind. The gospel message is not just a great idea. It's an essential truth. If you reject him, you will lose your soul. If you reject Christ as Savior, you will have no chance. And you need to make sure that your bags are all packed. You need to be sure that Christ dwells in you. Make sure that there has been a time in your life when you say, Yes, Lord, I believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sin. And I humbly accept his gift of salvation. Repent of my sin. I'm your child. Are you sure that you are ready with salvation? Have you accepted him as your savior? But also there's the idea here in this passage of scripture, the readiness of sanctification. It says that these servants needed to have their loins girded. Now that's a term that is not used today at all. But it literally means be dressed for action. Back in Jesus' day, they would wear, uh, even the men would wear these loose flowing robes and whenever they were getting ready to work or getting ready for travel, they had to tuck in those long flowing robes in their belt so it would not hinder movement. So that was the idea of girding your loins is being ready. In the Old Testament, when Moses instructed the people to eat the Passover. He told them to eat this Passover with your loins girded so they could be ready to depart at any moment. Not only do we as as people need to make sure that we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, we need to be living for Christ as well. I think a lot of times we get a uh, a little careless in our daily living, our loins, you might say, become a little unraveled. The Bible uh, tells us in 1 Peter one thirteen. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter talked about the revelation or the unveiling of Christ when he returns. So we need to have our minds tucked in the loose ends, thinking right, not wandering around with wild thoughts. 1 Thessalonians five, twenty-two to 23 says this, Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you might know Christ as Savior, but are you walking with him? Are you living for him? Are you serving him? And another illustration that Jesus used here, not only of girding up your loins, but also keeping your lamps burning. Now, of course, in the middle of the night, there was not any electricity back in Jesus' day, but the individual servants had to personally keep their light on so that they would see to be able to serve whatever the master needed when he brought his bride home. They need to uh, make sure that their light was burning bright. And many today of God's people are are not shining their light for the Lord. Their light has gone out. They're not witnessing. They're not living a a Christ-honoring life. So the first suitcase that we need to have packed is our own personal readiness. Do you know him as Savior? And are you living for him? Because he could return at any minute. And that's the impression that Jesus was trying to get on his disciples is that you be ready. Because he's coming back. So the second suitcase here, as I see in verse 35, is a suitcase of active service. Verse 36 says, and you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. They were waiting to serve him, ready to serve him, whatever he needed. Are we ready to serve? Jesus has given us some orders. As a matter of fact, we call it the Great Commission, And it's not just for preachers and missionaries and teachers. It's for everyone. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Our job as believers in Christ is to serve our Lord. Serve him with sharing the gospel with people that come our way. Serve his church in some way. Serving the Lord in the local assembly where you attend. Also serving our neighbors, being a witness, being uh, someone that can be a model for Christ and serving our family with, with godliness and, and taking care of our family. So active service. And when we do that, we need to do it with a, a great attitude. These servants immediately were ready. They weren't, oh boy, I can't. I hope he doesn't come home now. I just want to take a nap, you know. Uh, they, they were ready. They were eagerly waiting for them. And their action should be diligence and their awards for faithful service. You know, salvation is a free gift from God but our service will be rewarded. The Bible several times in the New Testament talks about crowns that would receive. And I have no idea what those crowns mean. I don't think that they're going to be a literal diadem that's going to be put on our heads or anything like that. It's, it's some way that the master is going to reward service. It's like the song, Will Jesus Find Us Watching? When Jesus comes to reward his servants, whether it be noon or night, Faithful to him, will he find us watching with our lamps all trimmed and bright? Oh, can we say we're ready, brother, ready for the soul's bright home? Say, will he find you and me still watching, waiting, watching when the Lord shall come? If at the dawn of the early morning he shall call us one by one, when the Lord, we restore our talents, will he answer you, well done." Well, we need to make sure that we have the suitcase of personal preparation all packed. And we also need to make sure that we're actively serving our Lord. Let me ask you this question. What are you doing for the Lord? I tell you, there is joy in serving the Lord. This past week, you know, going to vacation Bible school, I've seen a lot of our our dear people who, it's been a long time since they dealt with children. And I watched them. And they were, okay, okay, I, I, I know that I usually don't have this much patience, but I am dealing with these kids and I just watch them serving the Lord with joy and watching their excited faces as you teach them the gospel of Jesus Christ. What a joy it is. The greatest joy after you get saved is saved is serving the Lord. And I tell you, if you're not doing something for the Lord, you're missing out the greatest opportunity for joy. Do you have your suitcase packed? I've been serving the Lord, and one day he's going to come for me. But there's a third suitcase that I'd like to share with you in this passage of Scripture that needs to be packed, and that's in verse 37, and that is anticipated blessedness. Looking forward to the wonderful joy of the Lord's coming, there is the joy of leaving this world behind. Pastor Gary was teaching uh, the kids this week in the opening service, and he was teaching about creation, and he was teaching about the Garden of Eden. talked about how wonderful it was, how big it was, and how there was no sin, and everybody enjoyed life. And it was a a delightful. There was nothing there that was sinful at all there was no thorns or briars and everybody ate that the wonderful fruit in the garden all the vegetation was there and and then sin came and messed it all up and Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden and we are bearing the results of that and it's getting worse and worse the further away from the Garden of Eden we get, the worse the world is. And every day, when you watch the news, when you see the wars that are going on, as now we have the war in Ukraine, as you see the violence in the streets, you see people going to schools and churches and shooting people randomly, what's wrong? I tell you what's wrong. The wicked heart of man that's what's wrong. It's not the guns. It's not the, all of the other things. We have gotten so far away from God. And this world is cursed. But there is some good news. One day, Jesus is going to come. And we're going to be with him. There will be a thousand years reigning with him on, on this earth. And then we'll get back to the garden. <laughs> back to the garden where It will be beautiful. There's no sin. There's no devil. There's no, we're looking forward to that day. The joy of leaving this world behind. You know, I know we've got work to do. I know that the Lord hasn't come yet, so we need to keep working. But that will be a wonderful day of joy of leaving all this behind. And those who pass away, who are believers in Christ, they get a head start, don't they? <laughs> they get to enjoy all the, the wonders of that before we do. But there's the joy of leaving this world, so it's an anticipation of that. But there's also the glory of our transformation, The older we get The more we realize That these bodies are wearing out And it will never be like it was I know some of you have got replacement parts (laughs) If you have a replacement part Raise your hand Look around folks (laughs) Join the club And they tell me that the replacement part is never as good as the original. <laughs> I know it may be better than what you had previous to that. But it's never as good as the original. But one day, all of us are going to get new bodies. When the Lord comes, we'll be glorified. Let me read some verses, 2 Corinthians 5. For we know that of our earthly house, this tent, referring to our body, is destroyed. We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, and some of you groan louder than others. For in this body we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation from heaven. If indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent grown being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed clothed, that mortality might be swallowed up by life. And then listen to what 1 Corinthians 15, verse 52 and 53 says, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet... For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. The dead raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed. For this corruptible, this, this decaying, hurting body, must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. What we are looking for is the glory of our transformation. We're going to have new bodies. We're going to have a a new mind. Oh, praise the Lord. (laughs) Praise the Lord. You're not going to forget things anymore. You're not going to go into a room wondering what you came in here for. Uh, This is a daily... thing for most of us. We're going to get new bodies, new, new minds. We're not going to have that sin nature again. Not going to be tormented. The glory of that transformation, I'm looking forward to that. I was with our sister Vivian Newman in hospice and she wasn't able to talk but she did open her eyes and I read her these verses of scripture and told her one day, you're going to get a brand new body. It's a promise that the Lord has given to all of his children. But something else to look forward to is the privilege of being with him. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 to 17 says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. I was sitting in Sunday school in Steve's class, and I heard this ram's horn. Mike, did you do that in your Sunday school class? I heard this is, it's the horn. We're not going. (laughs) It's still here. Oh, boy. It must not have been the right one. (laughs) And the dead in Christ will rise first then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And then notice this part. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Folks, We might not understand all of the details of the book of Revelation. We we might not know what the mark of the beast is. We might not know what the 144,000 and all of those things. But we know that it says when the Lord comes, we will always be with him. Wherever Jesus is, we're going to be there. That is such a comfort to my heart to know that no matter what, we're going to be with Jesus. That is the blessed. Let that truth sink into your soul. When the Lord comes, we're going to be with him. And when we're with him, we're going to stay with him. And then, another thing that we can have anticipation is the honor of Christ serving us. You say, well, what does that mean? Look at verse 37. Blessed are those whose servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you, that he, meaning the master, will gird himself and have them sit down to eat, and he will come and serve them. Serving slaves was unheard of. Such an image would offend the well-to-do, but would be a powerful symbol of how Jesus would treat those who remain faithful to the end. In Jewish weddings, the bride was treated like a queen and the groom like a king, so he would not expect the king to minister to his staff. Our king will minister to his faithful servants when he greets us at his return, and he will reward us for faithful service. If this verse had said, when Jesus comes, we will gird ourselves and we will serve him, that would have made absolute perfect sense. But that's not what it says here. It says, when he comes, he'll gird himself and serve us. I don't even know what that means. But I know this. When Jesus comes again, we will love him and honor him. And he's going to love and honor us back. What an anticipated blessedness. One more suitcase needs to be packed. Careful watchfulness. Careful watchfulness. In these verses of Scripture, we need to maintain daily anticipation. You never know when the master would return from the wedding banquet. I know there's a lot of people over the years have started whole denominations expecting the Lord to come at a certain time. They would give the date and they would tell you that this is the day. I remember back in in, in uh, 1983, I got a pamphlet in the mail saying, 83 reasons why Jesus is coming back in 1983. Well, I watched uh, And then the next year was 84 reasons. Uh, Jesus is coming back in 1984. And then in 85, they didn't put out another pamphlet. (laughs) They were discredited. And you will be discredited when you start predicting the time and the hour when the Lord says, The Lord, no man knows the hour. Just believe the scriptures. You don't know when Jesus... That's the idea. We need to anticipate him at any time. Anticipate him daily that he could come. And he'll come at an unexpected hour. You never know the hour the thief is going to break in or you would have been ready. You look forward to his coming with expectancy. Are your bags packed? Are you ready for his return? Several years ago, my wife and I were getting ready for one of our trips, probably to Arizona, where we had to fly. And uh, we... We're packing the bags and we left the room. And then when we came back in the room, our little black pug named Charlie had jumped in the suitcase. He looked at us. You're not leaving me behind again. Take me with you. I hope that you will not be left behind. I hope that when Jesus returns... You've already accepted him as your Savior, and he's going to take you with him. And if you are a believer in Christ, are you living in a way that you will not be ashamed to see our Lord? Are you asking the Lord to forgive you on a daily basis of your sin? Are you doing your best to live for him, to model Christ-likeness, to keep your light burning, and ask God to forgive you daily of your sins? Charlie didn't want to be left behind. He wanted to be where his master was. Do you want to be there? Are you ready for the trip? Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you very much for your precious word. And we anticipate the trumpet sound one day when you, Lord Jesus, will come back to get us. I pray that we would have our loins girded and have our lamps burning that when our master comes, we will gladly say, thank you, Jesus, for all you've done for me. I pray in his precious name, amen.